Well, we, we it's been recommended to us now for the last couple of weeks to speak with somebody about what's happening in the Israeli wine business. Many of you are aware of the fact that when it comes to business in general and companies in general in Israel, uh, both the, um, both, how do I put this? Both the, uh, uh, the IDF reserve creates a difficult circumstance. Obviously, a lot of workers and a lot of people who normally would be working for a company are now serving in the IDF. And then there might be other uh, ancillary uh, employees that are simply not being employed at this time for whatever reason. Everyone can use their imagination. So we were told that it's a, it's a good idea, and we totally agree, to speak with someone who has a view from above of the entire Israeli wine scene. And that, of course, is Adam Montefiore, who is an Israeli wine specialist, a consultant, an educator, a marketer, a writer, somebody who lives and breathes the Israeli wine industry. He is officially CEO of Adam Montefiore Wine Consultancy. Adam, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Well, it's nice to be here again. We've, I've been on the show before, and it's a pleasure to speak to you from Israel. I appreciate that. Adam, Adam, Adam with a little dig on me since I didn't remember our first encounter, but it is a delight, seriously, to welcome you back to these airwaves. Um, not only is what I described a fact, and you'll, of course, elaborate in terms of you know how wineries just employee-wise are trying to keep up with things, but all of this happened at a moment's notice. We know, of course, that all of this began on Shmini Atzeret, and by the time everybody went back to work over the days uh, post-Shmini Atzeret, you know, so many hundreds of thousands had already been in reserve duty. How would you describe what you saw and what you observed that Israeli wineries were going through right after the war began? Well, this, this what I call a Simchat Torah massacre happened uh, on one day, and by the very next day, um, every every business in, in Israel was hurting. I mean, every, every soul in Israel was hurting. There's not anyone in Israel that doesn't know someone who was murdered... Uh, missing or kidnapped, literally. Everyone in Israel knows someone. So it's uh, an event that has hurt Israel, affected Israel to its very roots, uh, to its very foundations. And a lot of wineries were still trying to get their red wine harvest in, the red grapes, and suddenly they found a number of things. They lost workers who suddenly went on reserve duty to the IDF, they lost foreign workers right. who suddenly were withdrawn. Um, they lost a lot of their employees because they had to stay at home and look after young children because schools were cancelled. So, for instance, my daughter had to stay at home and look after her young children. Um, something like half a million Israelis have been evacuated from their houses. They're refugees. Uh, this is around... Uh, the communities uh, in the Western Negev, where the uh, where the uh, uh, where it actually ha uh, October the seventh actually happened, um, uh, but also in the Upper Galilee. So you've got about about a hundred communities, villages, towns, which are evacuated, and people are living in hotels or with friends and family, 
Um, something like 40% of Israel business, businesses are with less than 20% of the workforce. Uh, the the uh, winemaker of Shino Winery, uh, Amichai Luria, told me he was left with just two workers. So they had to bring in the rest of the harvest uh, and they then they had to ferment the wine and then start blending the wine all with reduced personnel. And some wineries have winemakers uh, who have been called up. So an assistant winemaker has had to take responsibility. The whole hospitality and tourism and agricultural sector is devastated. Um, there's something like a, a 50 to 80 percent drop in sales. Uh, no one is interested in drinking wine. Uh, no one uh, is doing going to restaurants. Restaurants are closed. They're all making food for, for the soldiers. Um, I mean, I could go on without stopping. Yeah, and I, know that's I, 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 I was just going to say, a radio program. You just, yeah. you just, you just for us. I mean, for you, it wasn't stumbling upon it because you analyzed this. But for us, because of you, we just stumbled upon things I never even considered. A lot of restaurants are closed. We saw it, of course, when we were there, uh, you know, 10 days ago. A lot of restaurants are closed. A lot of them serve wine. The, the mood of the country, you know, gatherings that normally would lead to wine drinking are obviously curtailed, to say the least. And, uh, and, on, top of, and on top of that, I didn't even consider the timing. This is, you know, I know every industry has its timing. Every industry, you know, has its problems. But for the wine industry, this is a time of year that's really key for the harvest. And very often you need a lot of manpower to take care of it properly. And that's one of the situations that people found themselves in when they were trying to tend to their vineyards and get that harvest done. So as, as much as we think that it's just a matter of losing employees, it goes so far beyond that. Absolutely. I mean, all visitor centers are closed. There's no tourists. And, you know, since since uh, we're now a, a month away since that terrible Shabbat. Um, and um, I haven't seen a film. I'm not in the mood. Uh, I'm not in the mood to drink wine, not in the mood to go to a restaurant. Right. Not in the, you know, people aren't in the mood to drink wine. And it's not out of a feeling of guilt. People just are not in the mood. Wine suddenly seems something very unimportant yeah. and rather a luxury. Um, and this brings me to the next point of, of why I wanted to speak with you, is to say we need help. I mean, we've got growers, farmers. Um, it's not just the wine sector. It's the whole agricultural sector that's happening. It's just I live in the wine bubble, so it's wine that interests me. But uh, people uh, are going down helping to pick the cherries, the lettuces, uh, in the in the uh, area by Gaza, which the, all the workers have left, so there's no one to pick them. Um, and uh, people are volunteering. And the volunteering in Israel has been amazing. I mean, if there's one good thing that's come out of this whole event is Israel is united like never before. And you've got people all across the political spectrum, all across the religious spectrum, who are going to help together in any way they can. Um, and that spirit is what will carry Israel through. Um, and it's it's very exciting to see it uh, in a country that's been riven by dispute for, for a while. So it's it's um, that's the good that's come out of this. But we need help. And the help we need is for all your listeners 
to go and buy an Israeli wine today, now. Put it on your table. And the reason we need this is for two reasons. It's one, to help uh, the growers, to help the uh, winemakers and wineries. They need it. There's no sales in Israel. And Israeli wine industry, the economy of Israeli wine, is built on sales in Israel. Most of the sales are in Israel. Um, export is less. But people in Israel are not drinking. Um, the economy has crashed in Israel. Um, so we need people to go out and buy a bottle of wine, go into your liquor store, ask for a bottle of Israeli wine, even if there's not one readily available. Make the owner go and uh, find, go to uh, Royal Wine or whoever to find a, find a bottle for you. Um, and doing that is something so easy you can do, and it's a way you can help. If you're buying a gift for someone, make it a bottle of Israeli wine. You can't give a, a bottle of high-tech as a present, but you can give a bottle of Israeli wine. And nothing represents the people of Israel and the place, Eretz Israel, better than a bottle of wine. Adam Montefiore is with us. You know, it's funny. We've been, we've been hearing the plea, the suggestion, the idea that we should be buying bottles of Israeli wine. I'll say we should be buying cases of Israeli wine, especially with Hanukkah coming up. You wonder what to give your associates, what to give as gifts to the to supporters, corporate people, etc. A bottle of Israeli wine wouldn't be a bad idea, so maybe buy them by the case, folks. But Adam, when we've heard this suggestion, I don't want to say it fell on deaf ears, God forbid, but, you know, it, it, we, we were, we were uh, you know, made aware of the fact that it'll help the Israeli economy. But what you're describing makes this so much more urgent and so much more important. Uh, if the majority of the business of Israeli wineries happens in Israel, we've got to do our part right now to make up for that. Uh, hopefully that's possible. Hopefully we can, in fact, make a dent. Hopefully we can, in fact, make a difference. Uh, but now when we say buy a bottle of Israeli wine or a case of Israeli wine, we're talking about helping out a very difficult and desperate Situation. So we've heard this plea before, but the way you put it has really given it emergency status, frankly. And, and the other thing it does, apart from helping us economically, is it's just putting Israel up front. Yep. We, we, you know, we've seen the response. Um, we've seen the, I mean, for the first time ever in my life, I've rung up my family in England and said, be careful. I've never done that before for, for, for anti-Semitic uh, problem re reasons. Yeah. I've never done that before in my life. So buying a bottle, putting it on your table, putting Israel up front is a way of, uh, as, as Victor Schoenfeld uh, put it, uh, wine make, famous winemaker, using culture to banish the darkness. Yeah. Put, put Israel up front so people see we're drinking Israel with pride. And apart from anything else, it's a very easy way to help. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. people people listen to your program are longing to help. What can we do to help? Where can we send money? Where can we send clothes? Where can we send toys for the children that have been uh, become refugees? Um, but here, you can do something. You can do it today. You can do it every day. And you can uh, really feel that you're helping and you and you are helping because it's also helping our spirits. Yeah, I, uh, I've been <laughs> I've been telling people that uh, our brothers and sisters are on the front lines. Some of them literally, as you know, 
our role is to, you know, buy some wine bottles and enjoy them. That's essentially it. And I'm not minimizing the contribution of the Jews in the diaspora at all. People know that. People know me well enough. But really, when you think about what our assignments are, they're much, much easier. And one of them is to buy Israeli wine, keep Israeli wine and Israeli products at the forefront and support those that are in such a difficult situation. Adam Montefiore is with us. So uh, is, there a, is there a way to conjecture this whole scene? I mean, I, I would guess that, that your industry, like any industry in Israel, is basically you know living day to day and no conjecture about the future of the industry can be made until we see how this war goes until we see you know when people the refugees you described are heading back to their homes and when the idf doesn't need as many reservists am i right that until then it's a day-by-day process well uh, nature doesn't wait the, the vines keep growing right the harvest has to be made the wine has to be made so you have to go on even though no one's in the mood to blend the wine and no one in a mood to to think about something as unimportant in wine when so many people are held captive and there's so many funerals everywhere. But the harvest has no respecting of uh, of uh, of this event. Yeah. Everything goes on agriculturally as normal. So we have to continue, and that's also good for the soul. You have to continue. You have to blend. You have to uh, decide what wine you want. Uh, uh, to be in in the next six months or the next year and a half or, or however long it's going to go in a barrel, uh, and that's that's quite good because people have to people involved in wine have to get up and they have to go to work, and they they have to work harder because there's fewer people, but they have to continue, and and that is also a process that keeps people busy, which is which is a good thing, um, but we've got no idea how long it will last. Um, we've, uh, we know that, uh, you know, some containers have gone out, but one of the, uh, one of the ports in Israel is under attack. So that slows everything down. Right. Uh, we're all running to bomb shelters or safe, uh, safe, safe rooms, um, uh, every day. Um, but, uh, in a way life continues, uh, even though it's changed in a way that, you know, this 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 terrible massacre was the worst single day of for Israel's uh, for the Israeli people since the Shoah. Yeah, um, which is which is saying something. I mean, it's uh, brought back a lot of memories to this generation, which sounded like their uh, their Sabah and Sabta told them uh, in the in the past. No question about it. Ironic that we're speaking on this day of Shloshim that's being observed for those who are murdered back on Shemini Atzeret. Adam Montefiore has a, uh, and, and it hasn't hit me till now. It's interesting, even me. Uh, this conversation has made, has had a profound effect, and I hope it's had a profound effect on everybody listening right now. Uh, th- we, we always talk about what we could do. Um, Israeli wineries, as you hear, and as Adam so uh, aptly described, are going through a very difficult time. And as he also said, nature doesn't wait. They've got to keep the process going year-round no matter what. No matter what the situation is, no matter how many reservists have been called up, no matter how many people have been displaced, they've got to continue the process. And there are over 300 Israeli wineries. We're familiar with a number of them, obviously, because of our friends from Kedem and those that import to the, uh, or export, I should say, to the U.S. But there are over 300 wineries in Israel 
uh, many of them family-owned businesses that uh, are in desperate need of help at this time. The message, very simple, buy Israeli wine. Buy Israeli products in general, but wine is a, uh, is a higher-end, um, certainly much-coveted product. So everybody out there, as you, as you think about buying a bottle of Israeli wine, as I keep saying, buy a case instead. And with Hanukkah coming up, I hope you'll be distributing uh, gifts in the form of Israeli wine bottles to your family and friends. Uh, Adam, this has been an eye-opening conversation, to say the least. A lot of people in the industry are uh, are going through a very difficult time, that's for sure. And um, and and, uh, and and as you said to me off the air earlier, there are hundreds of small boutique wineries around Israel that are not producing wine at the levels uh, that companies that we're used to hearing about are producing. So I can imagine that uh, that they, the small ones, need just as much help, if not more, that the larger ones need. Well, I, I read one today about a small winemaker who's um, who's on reserve duties, so he's in the army, huh. um, uh, and and no one's making the wine. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't got stuff. So, you know, it's it's terribly. Um, uh, it, it reminds us all the t- all the time. Uh, we have we have winery people with uh, family hostages hostages in uh, uh, one wine importer. Uh, his grandparents have been held hostages in their 80s. Uh, another wine importer, his son, who went to a peace music festival um, and re- manages a restaurant. He's a, he's a sort of a wine guy, and his father's a wine importer. His name's Omar, and he's he's in Gaza. He's in Gaza. No one from the Red Cross has visited him. His parents are going out of their minds. But if that wasn't bad enough, there are babies there. There are, you know, eighty-year-old grandparents without their medicine. It's um, it's a brutality, um, a bestiality that uh, you know we haven't seen since the middle Middle Ages. I mean, it's something, it's something, um, uh, it's something amazing. The world is crying out for um, uh, for humanitarian humanitarian aid. Right? Humanitarian, yeah. Uh, and yet, what about the humanitarian issues of the of the hostages? There's babies, not even toddlers, babies there. So it's it's um, you know I've got a disc a disc around my neck, uh, which says "Bring them back now." And it says my heart is with the captives in Aza, and it's got the date seventh of October, October the seventh, twenty twenty three. Uh, and this is a disc that I'm wearing until they come back, um, and. Um, so we're all living with all the families. Um, the stories that are coming out, uh, even new stories of incredible bravery or credible tragedy, like of which I've, I've never experienced in my lifetime. Um, and uh, so Israel is, is in a kind of depression. Israel is suffering. Um, Wine is not on, on, on anyone's mind. It's on my mind because I live in this <laughs> in this little in this little world of wine. But what you said earlier, uh, buy any Israel product, is really what I should be saying. But because I'm interested in wine, I talk wine. But uh, buy anything of Israel, hundred percent. And there's many many places you can get charities you can give, and people the refugees I talked about, a lot of them left, leaving all their possessions behind yeah. or a lot of their possessions were destroyed in fire. Yeah. This uh, is their, their houses were simply burned down. This is something so, that, uh, this is something we described after our visit to the Shalom hotel and 
when we were in Jerusalem and met, uh, I don't know, close to a thousand refugees. And uh, when we're in Israel again next week, we hope to convey to this audience the mood of the country, but I have a feeling it's going to be exactly as you just described. Adam Montefiore with a pretty simple message, everybody. We have a role in this, an easy one. Let's uh, carry it through as best as we can. Adam, can't thank you enough for joining us. Am Yisrael Chai, Chazak Chazak Venit Chazek, and of course, Biyachad Ninatzeach. Together we will win. And thanks so much for joining us this morning. For sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. The amazing Adam Montefiore. No one knows wine like he does, especially the Israeli wine scene. And um, wow, he had some powerful words to say the least. In addition to what Adam said regarding the purchase of Israeli products and Israeli wines, I do want to remind this audience we have another way to stand in the front lines on this side of the world. Today, 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 5.30 p.m., the program begins at 84th Street and Central Park West. The suggestion is to go, to get, to go into that area from Columbus and 84th Street. Please be there for the rally today. Upper West Side. Next week, Washington. Speak to your schools, your shuls, your organizations. Rent the buses, hop on the train, take a car that morning or the night before. Just make sure to be in Washington, 1 p.m. National Mall on the 14th of November, Tuesday of next week. Don't think of reasons not to go. Think of reasons to go. And if you can't make it after you've gone through that whole process because you you're afraid for your job. You're afraid uh, that, you know, child care, the, the, the child care situation you're in. Okay, whatever it is, it is. You know, everyone's got a reason. It's well understood if you can't make it. But don't start with that. Let's start with everyone trying to make it. Adjust things that, in order to be there. And hopefully we'll have a massive crowd next week in Washington as well.